Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 129. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Dave, the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers schedule has finally been released along with the rest of the NFL. I know you guys know it's not my favorite time of year, but still lots to react to. And of course, Rookie Minicamp Weekend begins today and runs through Mother's Day on Sunday. So a lot to talk about today, Dave. Yeah, there is. Uh, it's uh, And the NFL is a machine. <laughs> uh, I think we've kind of figured that out by now. Got my, uh, got my uh, YouTube uh, NFL Sunday ticket all taken care of, signed, sealed, and delivered. So that's out of the way. Uh, Going to be in a, you know, Pretty eventful weekend, I guess, overall. I think uh, uh, media has access to the players on Friday and Saturday. Uh, obviously, the bulk of this uh, uh, rookie minicamp is tryout players. So we'll have to see how many, you know, maybe uh, end up getting contracts after that's over. I would imagine a few of these uh, uh, undrafted guys will be popular guys, obviously, along with the uh, draft picks. Uh, this weekend with interviews, guys like Monty Pot Pottenbaum. I, <laughs> I, I imagine we'll probably get some video or something uh, from him and all. But uh, yeah, you know, an exciting time of year. And is uh, what Andy White co- co- calls it Christmas morning, right? Mer- Hopefully. Merry, Merry Christmas, Alex. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Dave. Hopefully, I, I remember, I think, Weidel, I know past, you know, former scouts like Jim Nagy have talked about. The first time you see these rookies out there, you just sit there and go, please be good. Please look good. Please look good for me. Because I know Nagy told a story of one time they drafted the guy in the third round and rookie minicamp or OTAs just looked miserable. And I realized we screwed up. And so it's kind of a little little anxiety for these scouts that were banging the table for some of these later round guys to uh, justify uh, the selection. Yeah, and... uh yeah, we could, we could probably roll through a couple of draft picks over the years and we wonder, <laughs> wonder how they looked at rookie mini camp, right? Gerard I'm, Holman. <laughs> I'm sure we could. All uh, right, Dave, uh, before we get into rookie mini camp, let's talk about the NFL schedule. Obviously that's going to be the, the top story here, dominating football news. Uh, it was basically, it was already released essentially before the official schedule was dropped at 8 PM, but we'll go ahead and, and rattle it off here. Um, week one home opener. So finally, after a long drought, 2014, last time Pittsburgh began a season at home, that streak thankfully is over and a very interesting opponent to do it against. The San Francisco 49ers will come to town week one. Uh, that'll be September 10th, 1 p.m. on Fox. And so that is a heck of a way to start a season. 
Yeah, it is. And uh, I think as we noted, or I noted in a post uh, last week there, uh, not often, A, not often in recent history do you see uh, uh, the Steelers uh, open at home. But uh, also it's rare to have uh, the Steelers open up against the NFC team on top of it. You have to go back, I think, to that uh uh, that game against the uh, Falcons many, many years ago uh, at home. Uh, that was the uh, the infamous, that was the walk-off. Uh, the Mendenhall game. touchdown. Yeah, yeah. The, the Mendenhall overtime walk-off uh, uh, game there. So, yeah, you a uh, couple of streaks come to an end uh, here uh, this year with uh, them. The mo- and look, uh, it, it, it you didn't have to be a you know, rocket surgeon or anything to 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 kind of figure out that the, there was a good chance the streak was finally going to end uh, this year when it came to uh, home openers. Everything was kind of aligning a, a and going that direction. I think the biggest surprise, though, is that you do get an NFC team uh, uh, coming to Pittsburgh in week one. And, you know, you talk about a team in the 49ers, you know, uh, I, I the, the 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 biggest question at this point when it when it comes to that week one game is who's going to be their opening opening you know opening week quarterback because obviously Purdy uh, I I had had that uh, uh, surgery from that injury way back in uh, the uh, uh, NFC Championship game against the Eagles and uh, it's going to be a process for him to get over and and, and overcome and they obviously got a couple of uh, other quarterbacks on on the roster there and and who Trey Lance and Sam Darnold right uh, mm-hmm. uh, over there uh, I I think that's going to be one of the main talking points when it comes to the wind up to the week one game is who's going to be their quarterback Yeah, I called it Brock Purdy Watch. Steeler fans will be joining 49ers fans and keeping an eye on that situation. I know that Kyle Shanahan recently spoke and expressed optimism that Purdy would be able to to participate in camp. Now, would that mean that he'd be cleared for week one? We're not quite sure. And obviously, they're all kind of taking this, you know, week by week, essentially on Purdy status. So if it isn't Purdy, then I don't know who it's going to be, Darnold or Lance. My guess would be Darnold, but I really have no clear feel on that. And, you know, could 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 Trey Lance be dealt for, uh, from this point moving forward into the offseason? You know, that's that's possible. Those rumors existed a lot during the offseason. They've kind of, I think, quieted down, but all it takes is one team to get involved. And, you know, the other thing about Purdy is even if he is healthy enough to play, you know, it, you, you still got a small sample size overall with him. Right. You know, and, and look, I mean, it, uh, during that, during that streak, he was, he was pretty damn good. Uh, but I mean, it's still, how many times have we seen quarterbacks come into the league and light it up six, seven, eight, or, you know, at least play well, six, seven, eight games. And, you know, you get on into that, uh, second set of 10 games or whatnot. And you think, uh, ah, they got figured out real quick. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and obviously, you know, Darnold, we all know his struggles since coming into the league. And, but we do know how that offense has a lot of weapons and it makes you kind of wonder, does it really matter who has the keys to it? Sure. I mean, you know, part 
reason for Purdy's success was obviously the great system, the great coaching, great supporting cast. And so that's always an element of it. And Darnold's going to be walking into the best situation he's been in ever in his NFL career. But to me, when I think about this game, Steelers 49ers, of course, I got to think about San Francisco's defense and that elite group, that fantastic defensive line with, you know, Nick Bosa. They signed Javon Hargrave this offseason. And so what a what a great litmus test for Kenny Pickett in this kind of new look, newly built Steelers offense to see how they succeed against arguably the best defense in football. Yeah, they're going to have uh, a test there. And the 49ers, though, do ha- will have a, a new defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, because uh, D'Amico Ryans is gone and he's gone to Houston. So it is, um, who is the 49ers DC? Who did they tap to to replace? Wasn't Desai, was it? Um, uh, oh, Steve Wilkes. Steve oh, okay. Is there DC. That's right. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big test out of the gate, but but I, I like that challenge. I like facing that top tier team uh, out of the gate. I think that's going to be, you know, a really good way to gauge where the Steelers are, are at. Yeah, look, I mean, you get a uh, you, you, you get a, uh, a team that was in the NFC championship game last year. Right. So uh, you want to talk about a measuring stick uh, out of the shoot? You get one and you get them at home, fortunately, as well, too. And then week two, staying at home. First time Pittsburgh will have back to back home games in week one, week two since 1997. So week two, a big one. Monday night against the Cleveland Browns on ABC. And so that's going to be one of those big time matchups, primetime, similar to last year. I think last year was a Thursday night game. But yeah, Monday night against the Browns. Yeah, get a strap it up. Who can run the ball the best? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, that you know that that should be another good test right out of shoot. At least you get them at home. It's uh, obviously your first uh, AFC North game of the season, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I I know you don't. There's no ideal way to draw draw this thing up, but uh, I mean. At least you get the two games at home, right? Uh, you get uh, the long, the long, uh, the extra day uh, there after week one to prepare for your first uh, division game in the Browns, and you get them at home. So, uh, I mean, I guess you could talk about the quality of a uh, of the opponent there in week one is is as possibly a negative, but I mean. Uh, what else? I mean, you get two at home once again. What, what and and you know the Browns of all teams coming in as the first AFC North uh, opponent. I don't I don't see what's not to like. Yeah, I think it's two teams that are you know being optimistic about their season and, and rightfully so, but riding a lot on on quarterback play in the sense of Kenny Pickett year two. Can he make that jump for Cleveland? Deshaun Watson, you know, year two in Cleveland, first full year, no suspension, all that stuff's behind him. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Cleveland to succeed this year um, in that year where, you know, it's going to be, there's no excuses for Watson, no rust, no, none of those factors. It's, you know, how good is this guy still? All right, week three, first road game out in your neck of the woods, Dave, at the Las Vegas Raiders. Another primetime game, back-to-back primetime games, this one on Sunday night football. And so that'll be the first road game of the year in Vegas. Yeah, I think the only uh, – and look, obviously the students haven't been great against the Raiders on the road, uh, especially during the Mike Tomlin era. What is it? 0-3 versus – now this will obviously be their first trip to Vegas – but uh, 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 you know, when, when they were the Oakland Raiders, I think Mike Tomlin 0 and three on the road uh, against them since uh, since he took over as head coach there. Uh, you know, the, I guess the 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 biggest 
drawback here is you're doing this on a short week after after a Monday night game and then having to play again in prime time and having to make that long trip out to uh, out, out to Vegas and all like that. But uh, what is it? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback and kind of a you know, kind of a, a new look Raiders, I guess, in 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 a sense there. So that will be a tough test. Uh, first road game uh, out west and on a short week at that. And then it makes it even tougher because they're on the road the following week on that kind of short week playing that night game at Houston week four for a Sunday 1 p.m. contest. Yeah, but if you were to pick any any team to have a short week road game against on this schedule, would it would it be the Texans? <laughs> Probably, but yeah, I mean, I assume CJ Stroud will be their starting quarterback by then. And, mm. you know, I think it's a new era there. And, you know, I know the Pittsburgh's had some success against Houston, but Texans have been one of those teams that have always kind of been a thorn in the side as well. There's been some ugly losses to oh, the Houston yeah. teams over the years. So that old Tommy think, Maddox game years ago. <laughs> that was at the tw- was that 24 to 6 game where Houston had like 50 yards of offense and Pittsburgh still somehow got blown out in that one. Just, I think, the worst loss in, in Pittsburgh Steelers history, even worse than the 51 nothing loss to start the 89 season. But anyway, um, I don't take anything for granted there, back to back road games like that. Right. But you would agree if you were to pick one game on a short week to have to play on the road, this might be it. Sure. I mean, yeah, I think it's I guess it's the best way to handle the back to back road games like that. Ho- ho- hopefully not eating those words come uh, October, <laughs> the night of October 1st. How about this, Dave? An early game against the Ravens. The schedule makers in recent years have been pushing those Ravens games to, to late in the season, something like, you know, week 12 and week 18 or something along those lines. But a week five home game against Baltimore in, again, week number five. Yeah, it's like they want you. They want the Steelers. They they want the Steelers to feel it a little bit uh, going into their bye, right? <laughs> uh, uh, two two AFC North games within the first five games of the season, and at least you have both those games uh, at home. So that will be an interesting test uh, on October eighth at Acrisure Stadium for sure. And as you mentioned, a week six buy, you know, most people don't seem to like it. I don't hate the early buy here for Pittsburgh in week six for a young team that kind of can reevaluate itself five games in coming off a Ravens game. I, I mean, obviously, you know, you would, I guess, kind of like a, a bit later buy something more in the middle, but I'm OK with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine with a week, uh, week six buy. All right, then week seven post by back on the road out west to play the L.A. Rams. It's a 4.05 game on Fox. So big road trip off the bye week. Yeah, and the Rams, though, aren't 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 your your uncle's Rams, probably. Or aren't who, who would be the next line? Your older brother's Rams. <laughs> yeah, or the Rams of two years ago. <laughs> right. Right. Now, obviously, they still have uh, Aaron Donald on that defense, but uh you know, this is a this is a Rams. This is the Allen Robinson revenge game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have circled right. Uh, I I know immediately. I went right to the schedule and circled this as the Allen Robinson <laughs> uh, uh, revenge game. No, I didn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, once once again, you know, you 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 still have Aaron Donald on that team. Uh, still, you know, got a great coach in 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 McVay. Uh, Stafford obviously still over there. So probably not as daunting of a task as it would have been a couple of years ago, but you still have to make that trip out there and play the game. 
Yeah, and still a plan to defend Cooper Cup, which Pittsburgh did unbelievably well the last time. The last time they played Cup, they they shut him out, right? That was the whole with the reporter asking Tomlin after the game how you stop Cup to zero catches, and Tomlin looked at him and went, you serious? And he didn't even realize Cup didn't catch mm. a pass that game, so that'll be a big challenge there. Yeah, Minka with a big drive, uh, uh, robber uh, drive down to, I think, break one of those up, wasn't it, in that game? I think so, and he had a touchdown in that game off that awkward kind of fumble where everyone kind of stood around and he he raced the ball in the end zone. So big one there. Week 8 through Week 10 is pretty interesting. Three straight home games for Pittsburgh. Week 8 at home against Jacksonville, a Thursday night game versus Tennessee Week 9. And then we'll see the Jordan Love era in week 10 when Green Bay comes to town. So three straight home games, pretty interesting there. And of course, you got the Thursday nighter against Tennessee. You know, it feels like just looking at this on paper, this is a stretch of three games where you better rattle them off. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, obviously, depending on, you know, how you first, you know, uh, who, who knows what, what, what the record will be at that point, but it really feels like this is a stretch and look, not, not dis- disrespecting the Jaguars. They obviously are, are on a team on a rise. Uh, the Titans though, I mean, wh- what's going to be their situation at quarterback come that time. And, you know, they, they obviously going, you know, through, you know, uh, or, or a, a bit of an organizational change. So I, I, I you know, I don't view them as kind of, uh, they were more of a running juggernaut type team when, when, when they were on their screws anyway, but, uh, and, and obviously no, no Aaron Rodgers uh, there in green Bay. It just looking at this on paper, once again, it looks like a stretch of three games that, Oh boy, you'd like to see the Steelers rattle off three straight wins here. Or at least go two and one. Jacksonville will be tough. They're going to be a serious contender this year, especially in that weaker AFC South. But you got to go at least two and one over that stretch. Week 11, week 12, back to back road games against AFC North opponents at Cleveland week 11 and at Cincinnati week 12. And so that's certainly going to be a pretty meaty part of the schedule right there, Dave. Yeah, you better you better know who you are and have identities on both sides of the football. Uh, uh, at this point. And, and, and like you just mentioned, you better be coming off of a stretch of three games where at the minimum you went two and one, and hopefully at worst you split uh, mm-hmm. your first two divisional games, right? Because I mean, how many times have we seen over the years, I mean, three and three in division. Yeah. You can still get in. We, you know, we've seen teams get in into the playoffs out of the AFC North going three and three in divisional games. But if you really want to increase those odds and, you know, Mike Tomlin said it several times, you know, you, you, you got to do your work into division first. So, sure. uh, you, you better have everything nailed down. At, at, at this point of the season, once again, coming off that three game home stretch there, uh, this is the you know, second half of uh, second uh, uh, part of second half of your, your schedule here. Uh, those are some big, big games that are on the road at that in the state of Ohio. All right. Now, moving along week 13 uh, at home against Arizona. Hopefully that'll be a win, but I don't like to assume anything that far out in a season. And then week 14, another home game, another Thursday night game. Uh, New England will come to town. So two Thursday night games this year for Pittsburgh, week nine and week 14. We're not going to get a lot of sleep this year, Dave. I don't think it's going to be uh, some tough turnarounds. Yeah, but the good thing is you got a lot of one o'clock games in there. 
And who cares? People don't care about us, <laughs> but we do, we do get a, we get a week six by there. So we can, we can lick our wounds real, real quick. But, uh, I mean, you know, Kyler Murray will, 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 will be a challenge. We'll see if, uh, Hopkins remains in, in Arizona, right. You know, I, uh, that might be a big question mark moving forward to the start of the season. What's going to happen with them. They're obviously an organization that's trying to, you know, new, new, new upper or new coach, new, uh, 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 kind of front office structure there. And, you know, the Patriots are the Patriots and, um, uh, Thursday night, you, you got to believe that place will be ramped up. Yeah. And of course the, the one benefit to Thursday night, a, they're both at home, which is very good. So both your Thursday night games at home, Tennessee week nine at home, New England week 14, you get the mini buy on the other end where you get the, mm-hmm. the 10 day layoff. And so that's kind of the the upshot for, for them and for us. Here's where I think it gets really brutal at, at the end in terms of a structure standpoint of a schedule. Week 15 through week 18, the final four games, three on the road at Indy week 15, at Seattle week 17, at Baltimore week 18, and then playing at home against the Bengals in week 16. That is a tough way to end that schedule. Three games on the road, a far West Coast trip to Seattle, and then back back games you're playing Baltimore at their place week 18 to finish out the season that is not the way I would love to end the season yeah but uh, I think that's the sacrifice you make to get back-to-back uh, home games to start the season it it, it probably equals out somewhere right and uh, but uh, to have to, to have, you know and look I mean it's, it's been a thing anyway we're we're normally what at least two of your final three games and, and, and most notably with the Steelers, as of, I think, the last two or three seasons, it's been back-to-back AFC North games to close out the season. So uh, instead of back-to-back uh, uh, games in the division close, close out the season, you have a, uh, a, a Week 16 game uh, at home against Cincinnati. Then you go on the long road trip to Seattle, and then you close out with, with the Ravens. So uh, the Colts game in there, you know, obviously you don't want to overlook that one. Uh, but, you know, I, I would, I, mean, I think you would as well too, probably at least on paper looks to be the easiest of the final four. But once again, three of the final four on the road uh, and then sandwich, which w- with, with, within there is, is uh, two, two AFC North games. So it is, uh, Hopefully you got a foot at at that point of of potentially a look at the playoffs and, you know, there could be a, there figures to be a lot riding on at least these final three games with two in division. Sure. I would expect that, but I would, I would gladly trade the home games to start the year. I'd have, I would, I would trade the week two home game against the Browns to have a, a week 17 or week 18 home game to finish out the year. But Obviously not the case, and so that is the schedule, and Pittsburgh will just have to, to deal with it. You play the teams that they tell you to play, right? You play For them in sure. the order. You know, I've, I've always wondered how much the uh, pre-scheduled drop versus the post-scheduled drop psychologically changes the outlook of fans when it comes to a record, you know? I'm sure it does to some degree, and it's just a neat order to start predicting these things. Obviously, people love to do the win-loss predictions, which I will not do today, but um, you know, people like to do that once the whole schedule is in order. And obviously, the way a schedule is formed, you know, like I just said, playing those three road games in your final four games, you know, has an impact on how you think that that season might go in terms of 
wins and losses. But end of the day, you know, for me, I know most of this stuff will be forgotten once that ball's kicked off week one. So it's a lot of energy right now that'll be burned out, you know, once other football things start happening. I think my main takeaway from from this uh, goes back to those, uh, you know, one, two, three, three games uh, a- a- after the bye. And, and let's even call it a four game run because the Rams, once again, aren't the juggernaut, or at least we don't think they're going to be the juggernaut they were a couple of seasons ago. So if you look at those four games after the bye at at the Rams, uh, at home against the Jaguars, Titans, and, and 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 Packers, that that really seems like a string of four games where, you know, I might might really set the pace of what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean that's probably fair. I just you just never know how a season will go. There's going to be so many twists and turns, and so I I look at the schedule, I look at the bye, I look at primetime games and the Thursday night games. But after kind of digesting that, I just sit there and say, okay, it's week one. It's San Francisco. That's kind of where I put my focus because from there, who the heck knows what teams will be good, what teams will surprise, disappoint, injuries. So much can and will change that um, it's just hard for me to put much stock into to really anything. Uh, true or false? The Steelers need to go four and two in the division to make the playoffs in 2023. I'll say true on that. Just how competitive the North is, how competitive the AFC is. I'll say true. I will say true as well too. It uh, uh, if they go three and three, or obviously worse, they're going to have to really string together some wins. Right, uh, for sure. Uh, so I, I, I would say true to that. Uh, and look, they're, they're a young developing team at this point, right? The Steelers are, uh, overall and yeah, uh, four and two or better in division. And I like their chances of making the playoffs if that, if that happens. Should mention the preseason schedule as well. Pittsburgh's first game in a stadium will be August 11th at Tampa Bay. They'll be hosting Buffalo in week two and then on the road at Atlanta, in the third and final week of the preseason. So two road games to share for the Steelers in exhibition uh, action. Yeah. And that comes after playing obviously three last year with two being at home. So, uh, and they went three and oh in a preseason uh, last year. Uh, my, my younger self would have uh, really uh, 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 been happy with uh, the looks at, this year's uh, preseason schedule, right? Because, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, obviously, you know, I, I could have made made that trip had I wanted to. And then uh, the, where else were they? Atlanta, right? Atlanta. Yeah. yeah right. uh, you know, Your neck of the woods. Right. And I've obviously been to a couple of games in Atlanta in, 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 the, in the past there. But uh, yeah, that'll be a nice treat for, you know, uh, uh, fans down south for sure. If they're able to make some of those. All right, Dave, any, any final thoughts there on the schedule? Looks like uh looks like seventeen nameless gray faces. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call it sixteen. The 49ers, they are the uh to me they're they're the one face I'm looking at right now. Yeah, gonna be interesting to see this play out. Once again, I, I think all the talk, you know, for the next several uh uh weeks, months will be, you know, who's gonna be that starting quarterback for the 49ers in week one. Sure. That's gonna be a big question that again we'll be watching very closely throughout the summer. Ready for summer and want an enjoyable day trip? Head to Fauquier County, Virginia, just off I-66, nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has over 25 local wineries, breweries, hiking trails, and Rappahannock River access. Check out visitfauquier.com for details. Fauquier County, find what you love.
Dave, as you mentioned earlier, Steelers rookie minicamp kicking off today at a run through Sunday. So players arriving on scene today. Pittsburgh just released its rookie minicamp roster. Of course, the the draft picks are all there. Everybody from Broderick Jones to Spencer Anderson. Uh, you got to select first year players. I, I, I was uh, incorrect, and I uh, correct myself last night, but. I thought Kevin Austin would be eligible for this. I'm mad the players that, that get injured like that cannot participate in rookie minicamp. Um, it feels like they should be able to, but there's a couple select first-year players, including Master T, who we've talked about quite a bit, and 33 tryout players. Most names we've uh, known, uh, one notable name that we did not know that was on the roster today is Nick Boyle, and he is not a rookie, far from it. He is the former Baltimore Ravens big blocking tight end who's, I guess, converted to long snapping. He was long snapping at Maryland's Pro Day. I remember reading. Uh, that uh, that story back in March, and so he's in camp. I don't know if he's going to play any tight end, but he'll certainly at least be long snapping. Yeah. Uh, how many? How many other tryout players? I mean, there's obviously several that we didn't weren't weren't able to identify ahead of, them, but we had a good a good bunch of them, right? Yeah, I don't know the exact number. We probably identified around 15 to 20 of the 33 listed. Um, I think most notably, if people are asking us this morning, is where is Akeem Butler? He's not listed here as a tryout player. He reportedly had been an invite, XFL invite, because those guys can't technically sign contracts until May 15th. And Omar Khan just spoke yesterday and mentioned Akeem Butler by name when talking about the wide receiver room. So I have to still think he's in the fold. Maybe there's something else going on here where he's just going to sign a contract after rookie minicamp, but it does not appear he's actually part of this, this weekend process. Or, or maybe his agent said, look, you know, you can go out there, you, you can run up to Pittsburgh and run around and, you know, run a, run a few routes on air uh, for them. But at this point, uh, I don't think you should have to take part in any uh, minicamp practices, you know, uh, considering kind of the, the experience that he has and, and, uh, uh, my main takeaway, and we're, we're going to get into what Omar Khan said on the radio yesterday there, but uh, he he talked like <laughs> Keem Butler's already uh, on that depth chart and signed, sealed, and delivered. So uh, it might just be a formality at this point. And once again, it might be something to the uh, effect of, you know, do you, do you really need to see Hakeem Butler out there? you know, in the mini mini camp setting and risk injury or anything like that? Or do you want him just come up there and uh, quote unquote, maybe try out and just show everybody, show you all that he's healthy and then him sign a contract after that. So, uh, but I mean, you do have the other XFL guy on the roster in, 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 or a couple of them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the center uh, there from the Battle Hawks and o- o- Okiki is the other one uh, there. So, you know, hopefully there's not more to this story other than, you know, they're going to sign him anyway. And and to hear Omar talk yesterday on the radio, I mean, it it it, it sounds like Hakeem Butler's expected to be part of this offseason wide receiver depth chart. Right. So my assumption is that the, the understanding was don't come to rookie minicamp and risk injury when you're not technically under contract. We're, we, we know that we're going to sign you either way so he'll get signed on mondays and i'll participate in ota so that'll be my thought my expectation right now is he just decided that there's no need to risk that injury and they're gonna he's gonna get signed uh regardless so um i'll, I'll still assume that butler's part of this thing based on con's comments but hopefully monday will give us that clarification i guess the only other uh uh maybe plausible thing here is maybe another team uh said look yeah, we'll, we'll give you more money if you come over here or something. But uh, uh, once once again, that that I, I would have I would think 
the way that Omar Khan talked about Butler yesterday, if, if anything like that happened, it happened within the last, you know, overnight or something like that. But, uh, right. uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, I, like you said, uh, t- uh, teams have to wait till the uh, 15th to, to sign these players. So if he's not signed, sealed and delivered by, by the 16th, then probably maybe there was a problem there somewhere. Should note from the rookie class, the the guys that reportedly were under contract, Trevor Downing, the undrafted free agent from Iowa State, not listed on here. And so I assume he's not he did not actually sign his contract. He had some knee injuries. He dislocated his kneecap in the NFL PA game back in January, but he couldn't work out in the pre-draft process. So I imagine that he still medically could not get cleared and that deal fell through. So Downing was that, you know, versatile guard center from Iowa State. It does not sound like he's a, a stealer uh, right now. All right. Now, he was one of the uh, undrafted guys, right? Yes. Mentioned that. Yeah. He's, right. He was a UDFA that we had reportedly had signed, right. but I'm guessing he couldn't pass his physical and he uh, got released okay. before that deal actually became official. All right. And once again, the team has not, uh, and they have not come across, I mean, they announced the, the guys that they agreed to terms with after the draft was over. But uh, the official signings have not hit the uh, NFL.com transaction sheet on any of these guys yet. And that usually happens like today <laughs> or, or, or tomorrow. if, right. if they Because they got to get a physical, they got to come right. in, all that stuff, right? Right. So uh, I would think by, you know, by later today, we should have the list of technically the undrafted guys that they have signed. And uh, then we'll wait as the draft picks actually sign their contracts. Right. And one of them just signed in Corey Trice that got reported late last night. So I imagine the later round guys will, will come in here pretty quickly, but Trice's deal is done. Uh, and what's the numbers on, on that contract for your deal, Dave? Uh, yeah. You having problems with your headset there? Uh, no, it might, do I sound weird? Oh, it was, it was breaking out for a moment there. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. Trice will, uh, that, 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 that four year slotted contract should total out at, uh, let's see a hair over $3.924 million, include a signing bonus of somewhere right around 84,436. Uh, the, you know, he'll have just minimal base salaries throughout this thing. Over the course of the four years, his 2023 cap number should come in at right around 771,109. Uh, as far as what it's going to hit the cap at and impact the rule of 51, only the prorated portion, uh, only the 2003 prorated portion of the signing bonus, which is should be around $21,109, will actually impact uh, the Steelers rule of 51 number uh, overall, because uh, because of his minimal base salary, because of the total value uh, of, of that first year, it does not, you know, uh, it does not overall the, 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 you know, impact the 51, but any roster, any proration amount outside of the rule of 51 has to impact that. So in this case, it's a, a measly 21,109. So as you mentioned, that's one of seven draft picks now reportedly signed by the time Sunday night gets here. I would imagine at least four of these, you know, potentially five, maybe even six of these draft picks will, will have signed their rookie deals because once again, these things are slotted and there's not much haggling. Uh, 
uh, room, especially when it comes to these guys drafted, you know, from 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 uh, uh, Nick Herbig on. I would expect all those guys to get done. Even uh, Washington, uh, I, I would expect his deal to potentially get done, and possibly even uh, Benton uh, or, or uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Let's see who was the second pick. Benton yeah, Benton was well. forty nine. Yeah. I think uh, Porter is going to be an interesting one. How they handle the whole thirty second overall thing? Yeah, there there might be a little time delay in that. And uh, Broderick Jones, even though all four of his you know his his contract should be fully guaranteed at where he was uh, drafted and all, uh, there might still be some wiggle wiggle room and some. Uh, you know, roster, you know, roster bonus and, and kind of structure of base salaries there as well, too. But I mean, all that said, I mean, this team could come out of this weekend uh, with all seven of them signed. But I, I would expect at least four of them, possibly even five by, by, by the time Sunday night rolls around to be signed, sealed and delivered. Right. These things don't take long around the league. You're already seeing first round picks sign. I think three or four guys have already signed their first round deals. And, you know, I think some teams have already had majority of their classes already inked. And so Pittsburgh should follow suit here pretty quickly to go back to the minicamp roster of the 33 trial players. Do any other names stick out to you besides Nick Boyle, Bryce Perkins in camp quarterback for the Rams. He's got a bit of NFL experience. So they got three quarterbacks in camp right now in Perkins. Hunter Johnson and Tanner Morgan, the UDFA. You could certainly see Perkins get signed to be that fourth quarterback on this roster. Yeah, and they, you know, Omar Khan was kind of hammered on that yesterday, and you know, he 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 didn't give an answer for sure whether or not they're going to add a fourth quarterback. But it, the way he answered that was, if if there's any way we think that we can improve, you know, any any of our our rooms moving forward, we're going to do that. Uh, so, uh, could Bryce Perkins be? Be that guy. He's a Virginia kid too, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, went to school there. Yeah. Yeah. Went to college there. So uh, uh, could, could he, could he be the guy potentially? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and Hunter Johnson, uh, uh, he, he's got a weird backstory, doesn't he? Yeah. He was a five-star high school recruit that never really worked out in college, committed to Clemson, went to Northwestern, and then for 2022 went back to Clemson only through six passes last year. So they, they always kind of do this. They had a guy a couple of years ago, Kelly Bryant, who was the same big time recruit, actually had a better college career than Johnson was in rookie minicamp and he never got signed. So uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, Duck Hodges at one time was a, a tryout guy in the same situation. So you never count any of these guys out. That Toa Taua out of Nevada, uh, <laughs> uh, this year's, I, I don't want to call him this year's Jalen Warren, because that's, that's that's quite a bar at this point uh, right now. But, uh, you know, an undersized running back, I, you know, that was, I got to watch a lot of him a couple of years ago, obviously, uh, um, God, yes. watching a lot of the Carson Strong and, and, and a lot of those Nevada games. So uh, I got to watch quite a bit uh, of him in that offense. And uh, he's a he's a pretty talented, you know, for a guy his size, you know, he can run inside kind of a bigger build uh, kind of guy. And I, I would imagine would would uh, uh, be more than willing to play on special teams and all like that. I, you know, I don't know if he's going to come out of this, uh, uh, this weekend is getting signed, but you know, when you kind of look at the running back depth chart overall and, you know, the, the need of bodies, maybe he's a guy to watch that Mike uh, Panasuic. Pan, 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 uh, I mentioned him in that 
center of attention post that I did a couple of years ago or a couple of uh, days ago. Uh, and it was, it was, it, it was kind of rewarding to see him be a, an invite. And I, so I think there's maybe a pretty decent chance that he gets a contract uh, coming out of this rookie mini camp. Obviously we we've mentioned Okiki coming over from, from the XFL and how this team could probably still stand to add a, 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 a tackle or two. Uh, Maverick Wolfley is a guy that we talked about the other day. I, you know, uh, by name recognition alone, be interested to see what happens there. Who else on this? Uh, you mentioned Perkins. I don't know if there's anybody else. I guess that Adam Corsick, right? Uh, the, the Rutgers punter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only problem is that there's two punters right now. Right. And so if they, if they could obviously sign Corsick, but you're cutting. I guess probably Harvin. Um, I, I don't think they'll do that, yeah. but you know, Corsic's got a good, you know, college background and, and resume. Yeah, you kind of hit on all the big names there. I think guys like um how do you say the Nevada kid's last name? Toa Tawa? Yeah, uh where where was I? Yeah, Ta Taua. Yeah. He was in the Eagles rookie mini camp last weekend. And so I think the guys like him, there's uh Silvanta Oliver for uh, the nickel corner from Memphis. He was in a camp, I believe last weekend and so i think those guys that are in their second camp kind of have a small leg up just because they're a little less wide-eyed going into an nfl practice it's a little bit of been there done that a little bit you know fewer nerves and so i don't know if there's really a correlation between the odds of those guys making it um you know that have been in camps before but i always kind of look at those names that were in camps uh last weekend one other name that's um interesting here and the odds of him being signed are, are pretty low but just for the story and I saw Teresa Varley tweet this out earlier. Alfreda Lazada, a kicker from a Mexican tryout camp, apparently is how Pittsburgh found this guy that they uh, held at some point, and he got signed because of it. So 26 years old, don't know what his background is. I don't know he's playing soccer or something like that. But interesting there to, you know, how how far and wide scouts and teams look to find some of these players. Apparently he got signed out of a Mexico tryout camp. Hey, uh, no, no, no stone left on turn, right? Especially uh, uh, this team right now. So good, good for them. And a couple of those uh, HB, uh, uh, was it CU? HBCU kids? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, hey, you never know. And I, you know, odds are obviously good that a couple of these guys this weekend are going to get signed, right? Yeah, there's four open spots right now. And, you know, let's maybe, maybe Butler will count as one of those spots. So, We'll call it three, but there's, there probably will be one or two tryout guys signed at least. Okay, true or false? Uh, true rookie tryout guys, at least one of them will be signed. True. I'll go true as well. Just history, to, history says that that will happen. Right. Just to rattle off two last things. We mentioned this before. Gabe Oladipo, the former track and field star, never played a down of football in college, uh, joined the Texas Tech football team in 2022, was on their scout team and you know practice uh, team the, the entire year so. That's interesting story there. And then one other defensive lineman to, to look for, Brandon Gaddy from Alabama State, one of those HBCU guys. He was a Maryland transfer. He's got size and production as well. So that's a guy that, you know, I, I haven't watched this game, but just kind of based on the profile, based on the body type, um, based on the, the, the background, I could see Gaddy maybe being one of those guys that catches a contract. Okay, so uh, once again, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, rookie minicamp practices. I think the media has access uh, today and Saturday. I don't believe there's media media access on Sunday. And I guess by Monday, we'll we'll, we'll know who 
from from this rookie mini camp. The invites get signed, and then the other thing we'll be watching for is how many of the draft picks uh, sign their rookie deals in total. Exactly. One other piece of Steelers news here that I do want to mention just came across on Friday morning. This is from Neil Stratton, who kind of handles all the inside baseball when it comes to football. Uh, Mark Gorsuch apparently stepping down as Steelers' longtime scout. Uh, I think the, the phrasing was something to do with new football opportunities. I'm not entirely quite sure what that means, but it sounds like he won't be in his position as a Steelers uh, area scout anymore. And so Mark Gorsuch, of course, most uh, well known for him being the guy that kind of commands and runs to 40 yard dash at the combine at Indianapolis. That seems to be ending. And so he's been a Pittsburgh lifer. He was even the GM of the, I think, Pittsburgh Gladiators, the arena football team back in the late 80s. So it's a guy that's been around the organization around the city for a long, long time. And that that news certainly bummed me out this morning, Dave. Bum, bum me out as well, too. Uh, just I mean, you can't have a combine without um, <laughs> shut um, it down. Shut the uh, combine Mark down. Gorsak. And on top of that, you want to talk about one of the most easily recognizable uh, Steelers figures at any uh, offseason pro day. It's probably him. I don't know. Omar Khan's up there now. Uh, and Kevin Colbert was, was fairly easy, and, and it goes without saying the camera always finds Mike Tomlin. But I, I guess if you were to rank uh, easily, easily spottable guys uh, at, 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 at college pro days during the offseason, Mark Gorsak has to be in the top five. Uh, there, especially when all he does is wears, you know, he's like he has one hat that he wears. Uh, <laughs> the man and, in the yellow hat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but uh, yeah, look, I mean, what, 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 a, what a great long career he's had. And I guess it'll be interesting to see what this, you know, continued, what, whatever happens at this point and, you know, how, how closely he stays uh, connected to the game and, you know, will he still kind of be the official starter, I guess, at, at, at the combine. So uh all it's done, I, I guess, with this news has kind of created a, a few questions. Yeah, I mean, you imagine he was his uh, region was changed. He was the longtime kind of southern southeast area scout, and he was working more Midwest, mid Atlantic this year. And so, I imagine Pittsburgh will have to fill that that region with somebody. So, you know, you should expect less front office turnover this year now that Omar Khan and Andy White will kind of have most of their guys in place, but. That sounds like one area uh, that will have to be replaced by by a scout or some sort of other internal shuffling. So I'll be watching that Steelers front office page like a hawk and try to see when that uh, change gets made. All right. All right, Dave. Omar Khan speaking to 93.7 The Fan on Thursday and actually had quite a bit to say, even though he's done a bunch of inter- interviews already this week. Of course, the first question, first football question that was asked about him was regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers slot corner situation and Arthur Millette. Khan tried to say it was kind of a mutual decision. Again, who the heck really knows? I still think the Millette situation is weird in terms of why this guy ended up getting cut here in May. But when asked about the slot position, Khan specifically mentioned two names, maybe a bit two surprising names here in Chandon Sullivan, who was signed uh, on day three of the NFL draft, and Duke Dawson, who signed a futures contract, was on team's practice squad late last season, former second-round pick of the was it the Patriots never played a down for new England, got a couple uh, cup of coffee with the Denver Broncos played last in 2020. So Sullivan and Dawson, some names there in the slot. Look, uh, and this goes back to our conversation the other day about uh, with, the, with that news breaking about Arthur Millette and all uh, there's no way they went into this off season 
thinking they weren't going to have Arthur Millette at least at the start of training camp this year, right? I have to think he was in their plans at least to be part of that camp roster. Right. So, you know, at this point, it it it, it really does, you know, a- after everything's kind of settled here and, you know, the Instagram remarks and cons remarks about, you know, just a, kind of a mutual, we probably need to part ways. This, this feels like it was more on Millette than anything. And, you know, what do you expect Khan to say coming out of the backside of it here? Uh, he, you know, uh, he, he immediately goes to the other guys under contract on the roster. Sure, I guess. And again, I don't want to we don't know the answer to this, so I don't want to spend too much wasted breath on it. But why would Millette want out? I mean, what is there were some phrasings of contract disputes. I don't know what that dispute could possibly be for a guy on his contract. And, and even though there was some competition brought in, I mean, you know, stay in the place that, you know, where they know you as opposed to hoping to catch on somewhere else. That, that's my thought. You know, maybe he was under the assumption that if uh, if he had a good year, that uh, they they talk extension, at, you know, uh, after this year, and maybe that those extension talks didn't happen, or or maybe he thinks he deserves more pay than that, or maybe who knows at this point. So right. uh, there there could be eighteen different you know, subcategory uh, subcategories to this that or 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 reasons related to this that we don't know and might not ever know likely won't ever know. So if if, if the move in and of itself was, was surprising, obviously the timing, I mean, it goes back to the uh, kind of the Jameer Jones. So, you know, something's not adding up here. Uh, There is, there is more to the story here. I think than we know, unfortunately this time we might not find out the rest of the story. Right. That's uh that's a fair thought overall in terms of who this team slot corner could be again. Sullivan, who does have experience, although he did not grade out well last year. Dawson has not played a regular season snap in a couple seasons, but I'll imagine that he's in the mix. Really, I don't know how it's gonna go. I think Khan's basically saying is we'll figure it out. It'll it'll be sorted out by by the end of training camp. Um, it could be really any number of names, and you could probably throw out any name when I really wouldn't say no aside from it's not going to be Joey Porter Jr. It could be basically anybody else. So I really don't know. I'm not sure if the team knows. They're going to take it all in the camp and try to sort it out then. Yeah, and, you know, we, we could be seeing some some Patrick Peterson, I guess. To me, where I, where I sit right now, based on everything that's happened and, 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 and has been said, I still, in my gut, think, that somebody not currently under contract with this team <laughs> will be there when the when the when the uh, initial fifty three man roster is created. That's fair. I think I'm with you. Um, I, I don't know who that is. I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't have any you know any inkling as as to throw out a name there. But I mean, how many times have we said this, Alex, over the years? The the OTA roster even even the mandatory minicamp roster uh, a lot of times more than a lot of times guys that are not even on that roster coming out of mandatory minicamp a lot of times that 53 man roster includes one or two names uh, of of players that have experience 
Sure, you've you've written a ton on that, and so you probably expect somebody who's not a Steeler today to be a Steeler come that Week One game against the Forty ers So, but in terms of the options now, I mean, you you wanted to say Levi Wallace would get a, a, a chance in the slot. Sure, you want to say Sullivan. You want to say Casey Norwood Peterson. They they all I guess could be in play right now. I really don't know what the strategy is here. How many of them give you a warm fuzzy feeling though? None, <laughs> zero of them, which is the problem. Right. So, uh, and look, if, if this team was to add outside experience guys moving forward, I think outside linebacker, uh, uh, and, and, and slot corner lead the list. Yeah. I'm with you there, Dave. Speaking of positional flexibility and some kind of shuffling, talked about the left tackle job, talked about Dan Moore jr. And said, uh, con did that Moore has positional flexibility. I'm not quite sure if he does, <laughs> but I think he'll have to at some point here if he does not win that left tackle job or keep that left tackle job. Did he kind of paint himself in a corner there? Yeah, he kind of, I mean, basically un, said un, that un, like, un, this guy's not going to be the left tackle. Yeah, and and, and the, Moore's background is almost strictly at left tackle. He did a little bit of right tackle early in his A&M career. I mean, he did a little bit of right tackle his, his rookie year in Pittsburgh when they were kind of sorting things out with a core four and Banner and and, and more himself. Um, but I mean, he's pretty been locked in on that left side because he was he was asked specifically to as, as part of the phrasing about guard and uh, it just it, it it seemed like he didn't. I don't know. It seemed like he kind of painted himself into a corner there, almost given the aspect of, yeah, we're going to let these guys compete. Uh, and he obviously said the best five is going to be the best five to start, yada, yada. But it, it, it almost it almost felt kind of like he's resigned to the fact that it, barring something not happening or, or going totally wrong, that that Broderick Jones is going to be the starting left tackle for this team. That was my impression as well. And obviously, first round pick, I think he's the favorite for the job, but I did write, and I still stand by it, that I think Moore is going to give this guy tougher tests than people think because Moore has had experience. And again, just adjusting to Pat Myers' system, we saw how difficult it was for all these guys last year. Now you have a pretty raw guy in Jones coming in to learn that system. He'll get it. He'll pick it up eventually, but there's going to be some growing pains, I think, along the way. But yeah, to hear Con tell it, it was kind of more of, okay, Dan Moore is going to have to focus on doing some other stuff uh, for us. But here's the thing. You look at all, all, all the offseason moves and kind of uh, uh, what the interior uh, section depth chart uh, uh, looks like right now at this time. How the hell are you going to get Dan Moore snaps at guard uh, moving forward? I mean, they would be at best third team uh, guard snaps in OTAs and, 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 and camp, right? Yeah, I really, I, I think Con was just trying to speak really broadly and kind of get past the question. I don't think Moore's going to seriously take snaps at guard. He's not going to start. I don't either. There in her big, I, I think he'll be the swing tackle. If he's not the starting left tackle, he'll be the swing guy to play left and right tackle. Uh, should somebody get hurt? And, and, and that's what made it curious the way Omar kind of answered the question there is because, okay, let, 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 let's say the plan is, or, you know, barring something going totally wrong. I mean, don't you want to get Dan Moore as, as, as many snaps as possible uh, on the right side? Yeah, you do. He's got to get a lot of reps there. Right. So anyway, just kind of curious the way he answered that question is all. Uh, moving on from Omar Khan, talked about the Alex Highsmith extension, which basically is the same stuff he said before. Never going to you know openly commit to to doing a deal, but 
know, he says that he wants high. It's getting, it's getting done. It's getting, yeah. I'm, 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 I've, I've semi pointed to the fence all off season here. I'm pointing to the fence. It's getting done. Full extension here, full Babe Ruth to the wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it could be just a two year extension, but they're, 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 you know, two or three years added on, on, on top, but it, it something's going to get done that that'll keep him under contract past this year. Okay. I'm with you as well there, Dave. And then last thing I saw from Khan was him basically confirming that had Joey Porter Jr. not been there at 32, Pittsburgh would have traded out of the pick and gotten probably with Tennessee, I'm guessing, to uh to move down. So uh Porter truly was their guy at 32. That makes sense. Yep. Uh not a big surprise there, but just to, to get more clarification on that statement. So uh, anything else, Wilmer Khan? I think that was kind of the the bulk of what he had to say. I think you wrote what, what did you write this morning about uh, his comments re- rooting for Mike Tomlin contract extension? And you know, obviously that's that's not his job and all like that. So I think he he answered that uh, question uh, just fine. Uh, let's see what else did he say. You know what? We need to go back uh, all the way back to the combine and 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 uh, <laughs> see how many times really excited. <laughs> uh, that that's Omar Khan's go-to phrase, really excited. I think he's, he has said that a ton dating all the way back to the combine. Oh, what about uh, the whole, did you mention what, what he had to say about Calvin Austin? Oh no, I forget. I, I, I totally missed that. Yeah. I uh, talked about Calvin Austin that Khan uh, said he's healthy and he looks good out there. And so he should be able to join this team for OTAs and, and just based on the tea leaves of those comments. And we don't know exactly where Austin's at and his, uh, you know, coming off that foot surgery, but it sounds like you should be a full go for, for OTAs. And a part that got me excited uh, says Darnell Washington, obviously going to be one of Najee's best friends. So uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that should get everybody excited. He went out of his way to make sure to say, look, uh, uh, Darnell Washington is not only a blocker. Uh, we think that he can ha- help us in the passing game uh, as well. And, you know, I, I, I do concur with that, but uh, I think uh, I am most excited, at least right out of the shoot when it comes to the 2023 Steelers and, 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 and their uh, draft class is, I, I do really look forward to, Darnell Washington and and Najee Harris potentially walking down the hill at uh, uh, St. Vincent College in Latrobe <laughs> uh, hand in hand uh, to start a long hope what we hope is a long friendship a close that friendship is, that is something that has me very excited I'll be Omar Khan and say how excited I am to uh, to see those two guys work together this year right. All right, Dave, I think that's going to wrap up uh, our discussion here. We can get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official health care partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. All right. Let's see here. Let's get to the email machine. Joseph Thomas. uh, Hi, Dave and Alex. Can you break down why the slot corner position requires a different skill set than an outside corner? Why wouldn't Wallace or a Peterson play the role? What traits are they missing? He says, regarding slot receiver, can we use our tight end depth 
to fill this need. Hayward and Muth, while exciting, are not very useful blocking. Why not put them in the slot more uh, than they did last year? He says Muth is uh, famous for not missing balls in the end zone, and Hayward is versatile with soft hands. Let's take the second part first. Look, I I, uh, I think you you definitely do have more of an opportunity, uh, especially if you're going to run, you know, 12 and 13 personnel or, 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 or get me excited. Some 23 personnel, <laughs> uh, you can have some fun with Hayward and Muth, uh, I think potentially and, and, and moving those guys out. So I, 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 I do think that there is the potential, the way this roster is, 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 shaping up and with kind of the identity that we think this team is trying to stamp this early on that, yeah, you, you can use Hayward and Muth more uh, detached, if you will, and use those guys more in the passing game overall. Now, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, extraordinary amount, but yeah, both those guys have skill sets. And I think we've seen, look, uh, Hayward's got a great ability uh, for a guy his size, his his catch radius is really exciting, and and he can do things uh, down the field. So, uh, long story short, I mean, yeah, I, I think regarding slot as a whole, those guys give you non traditional wide re- you know slot wide receiver options, if you will. Yeah, I'm really excited by that idea. I think, you know, just because you're in 12 personnel or 13 or whatever, does not mean you have to be super condensed and super tight, tight, uh, tight and everybody with their hand in the ground. I mean, I think the idea, I mentioned this uh, on a previous show this week, the big empty where you come out heavy in 12 or 13, you spread the field and you're just, you know, you're picking matchups on the outside, one one v one. Um, you, you couldn't do that in the past with Zach Gentry and Derek Watt. It just You didn't have pass cash. You didn't have athletes on the field. Now you put in Frymuth and Washington and Connor Hayward, you got some real good athletes that can run routes and catch passes and, and exploit matchups that way. So uh, I'm really excited by that prospect, and I hope Pittsburgh does some of that this year. But but certainly, even last year, you saw some three by one nub with Frymuth backside, um, kind of isolated some red zone uh, type stuff. So um, I think that that idea will be expanded upon as Hayward's role grows, as you bring in Washington, um, those kinds of things. Did you see that clip that uh, Jim Nagy uh, posted on Twitter of uh, South Carolina uh, uh, running that old school 32 personnel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> T-formation looking thing. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it got pretty warm here in <laughs> Vegas uh, watching that. Uh, look, play, you know, obviously you're not going going to use that much, if any, uh, at the NFL level, but – uh, I would like to see them have. I would like to see Matt Cannon play around a little bit with some personnel groupings this year. Me too. Me too. And as for uh, the slot corner position, yeah, they're different skill sets. The way the outside receiver and slot receiver it can be different things. And they're you know you're defending more areas of the field. Typically, when somebody a bit twitchier, your bigger responsibility uh, in the run fit uh, of a defensive structure. Um, there's more communication. I mean, there's, there's different layers to. To playing in the slot so could guys like you know wallace or peterson do it they could but it's new to them it's a different skill set it requires a bit more twitchiness to maybe that press man and you know using length on the outside so um it, change it, it, of direction all like sure. that right yeah it's a different skill set you're defending you know all route tree all areas of the field you know if you're 
you're a inside relier, inside leverage on a receiver on the outside, you basically are denying the inside. He's only going to be able to run basically a comeback or a go route. You've kind of limited that route tree. If you're a slot receiver, I mean, you can use leverage to try to dictate things a bit, but that whole route tree opens up. So there's just a lot more chaos to defend in that slot role and, and the skill set's a bit different. And so it's, it's not like you can just put a guy there and uh, expect it to work. Uh, Nick Shuley writes in uh, fun Friday question, Alex and Dave. I know that over the last few years, the Steelers love to run that tight end shovel pass in short yardage goal line situations. With that being said, how many times do you guys think that they will run that play with Darnell Washington? He says, let's set the over and under at five and a half. Thanks for all the great work. Much love. Okay, good. Uh, that is a fun question, but I, I got to. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the uh, to, to to my contextualization. I don't know. I I've I've looked at. Uh, I think I've looked at all of his targets now. I don't remember them ever running the, the shovel to him at Georgia. If they did, it was one maybe two times. Talking about kind of that inside shovel to Darnell Washington. So I would. If you're going to give me an over under at five and a half times that they'll run that to uh, Darnell Washington in 2023, I'll take the under. I might take the under as well. Although, did Georgia run that play like at all? It may not be part of their playbook. I mean, I don't, you know, Juju probably wasn't catching many shovel passes at USC and he caught a bunch of them with the Steelers. I so. think maybe that other tight end there, they had a couple of them run to who's at the uh, uh, Bowers. He did yeah. some like jet sweeps, I think, right. in, in the run game. So they did some stuff with him. I, um, yeah, I mean, they could, it could be, it's a little less about the person as it is kind of just getting the defense to, to kind of freeze. And you're not quite sure what's happening as you see the quarterback start to, to sprint out and you're worried about something in the flat. So I think it's a little less on who the actual tight end is. Uh, didn't they do that with Gentry though? I think once or twice mm-hmm. last year, so they've kind of used the big guy to do it. And obviously Washington could fall forward and get yards. So I imagine they probably tried how many times they do. It depends on circumstance and situation. I'll take the under, but I bet you it happens at least once. Yeah, Nick, if you had gave us an over-under maybe at, I don't know, either a half or one and a half, it'd probably make it a little bit more interesting. But five five and a half seems like a lot to for, for Washington specifically on that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Chris Warren writes in, I appreciated your article that was fair in its treatment of Kevin Colbert's body of work. We should be able to appreciate Colbert now without taking away from what happened or what appears to have been an excellent first draft by Con and Weidel. Nevertheless, there are many in Steelers Nation that are still not happy. I agree with Trevor's dad that uh, mm. <laughs> that we should all aspire to be uh, to more than just uh, ha- avoiding having losing seasons. But don't you think that many Steelers fans for- forego a good deal of the joy in being a fan by constantly expecting perfection? Uh, look, I, I think Alex, you know, I'll let Alex address this, but I think Alex did a good job addressing that. I mean, uh, it's funny how you, you got all this excitement coming out of this draft for guys that have never played right now. And, uh, instantly you want to look back at the most recent, uh, let's say two drafts of Colbert's and immediately kind of start, you know, tearing him down maybe as far as what his legacy is i guess i mean kevin colbert uh kevin colbert was a great gm uh and and like all gms they're probably going to have their their and here's the thing what if kenny pickett you know turns out to be you know the next franchise quarterback 
you know, I, I think that trumps any and all picks that he may have made over the last three or four drafts overall. If you get a franchise quarterback that goes on to lead you to playoffs and potentially Super Bowls, not only one of them, but two of them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that trumps everything, I think. I agree 100%. I mean, if your two first-round quarterbacks you ever drafted were like unbelievable home run type hits, even if Pickett never quite reaches Ben's level, but it's a very good like franchise 10-year starter, I mean, that is just incredible, something that rarely, if ever, do you see. Um, yeah, you don't have to, you know, just because we're excited about Khan and we are rightfully excited about this draft class, this, this offseason does not mean necessarily that you have to throw dirt on on Colbert's career. Um, I think it was more aggressive towards the end than people give him credit for. I think it was certainly better than maybe some people remember. It wasn't perfect. And if Khan does his job for 20 years, he's going to have mistakes and errors and we'll be yelling at Omar Khan at one point over these next 20 years if he's uh, uh, on this job as long as Kevin Colbert was. So, uh, you know, it, it's not either or. It's yes and. I certainly appreciate Colbert's career and can really uh, be excited about how the Khan era is starting. All right, Justin Brisbane writes in, with the corner room look, uh, looking quite deep on the outside, should the Steelers be looking to make a trade for a slot guy? He says, I know we don't have a ton of ammunition, but maybe swap Akello Witherspoon in a late round draft pick or even Levi for a more capable slot guy. He says, Alex has me worried about the position. Uh, we're going to be talking about the slot corner position all off. We already have talked about it you know, uh, all off season. And we're going to continue to talk about that as far. And, and now, you know, my thoughts on it too. I, I, my gut tells me just somebody's not on the roster is going to end up on the roster at some point. So we'll, we'll see about that. As far as the idea of, of swapping a guy like a trading, you know, using a Kello with a spin and a late, late draft pick for, to trade for somebody. I mean, I'm not going to say that's, that's impossible, but I'll tell you this. I mean, how, how many teams really at this point would, would want to take on a $4 million salary for a Kello Witherspoon? Yeah, probably not many, unless he has a really good summer. That kind and of the shows same goes the for Levi, really. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Levi would have more value, but I'm less interested in, of course, stealing Levi Wallace. I mean, at this point, yeah, slot to me is a big worry given the uncertainty there. But you're gonna take, you're not gonna probably make moves right now. You just signed Sullivan, so that's your veteran guy to add into that mix. You're gonna go through the OTA, through spring ball, through training camp, and see what's there, who who might emerge, and 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 you know figure it out from there. And if you're still unhappy with that group, then you look at trade possibilities late in August. You look at you know, cut downs and uh, right before September and, and kind of take it from there. So no moves are going to get made uh, anytime real soon. Uh, I always like to at this time of year, just try to try to take a step back and, 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 and remember that these things always end up coming out in the wash somehow, some way. And I, once again, my, my gut feeling is, and, and everything that Alex has presented and just looking at the roster right now and knowing that, you know, potentially Peterson can have a role maybe inside. It, it just feels like they're one short veteran wise in there that maybe we'll look back come when's the final cut down or when's the, when's the roster assembly day, September 31st, or, September 2nd, I don't know. Yeah, like that. Uh, I, that we're going to look back and say, uh, it all came out in the wash here. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but in 2021, I mean, it, it really didn't. I mean, they just kind of bumbled along and eventually just kind of put Cam Sutton back there midseason or uh, three weeks in, and Sutton's not an option right now. My concern is that it's going to be like a true battle between Sullivan and Duke Dawson for 80% of training camp. This team goes, oh, yeah, neither of these guys are worth the, the spot, and they're kind of just struggling and you know fl- uh, flailing from there. All right, fair enough. Uh, Seth uh, Bergstein, Bergstein writes in, I know we all love the draft class, and I do too. I'm just curious, is there any player we didn't get that you wish we would have, and who would that player have been taken in place of, given how the board played out? Thanks, and have a great weekend. Uh, I, I, I have said all along that I wasn't as enthralled you know, with this draft class. Uh, you know, eh, you know and really not so much last year's, I don't think either overall there. So, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to, when did Isaiah McGuire go exactly? Uh, fourth round. I don't know if it was before or after the Herbig pick. Uh, Herbig was 132. I don't know what selection. Yeah, he McGuire went was. six ahead of Herbig. So that okay. would not have been an option there. Although yes, uh, Yasir Abdullah, right. Uh, went a handful of picks after Herbig did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, looking back at the redraft exercise and all that. And look, I mean, it, it was hard. It was hard to think that this team was going to go away from that connection with Herbig, right? Right. Uh, in that spot. Uh, I'm trying to look back through if there's any other player drafted because there was a long wait there. In, be- in between, you know, the picks and all like that. I mean, it, it, it's hard because of way, the way these picks wound up uh, being in that, that, that huge gap in there. I don't know that a uh, couple of slot corners were entertained that Keetro Clark that, that Owen uh, talked about uh, would have been intriguing, but w- you would have had to overdraft him way the board went, if you were to go and take him in the fourth, I think Keetra Clark went in like the sixth here overall. So, I mean, it is hard to kind of reverse engineer this based on where they were picking overall. So I, I can't, and look, I, I never would have dreamed that they would have got Darnell Washington Mm -hmm. in the, in the third. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame them from not getting the Michigan kid when you got, when you got Washington instead. Uh, I, I, I can't sit here right now and say, man, I wish they would have got, when, when did uh, Johnson, the, uh, the safety go, uh, he went six round, didn't he? The, no, I, he I, went, he went the pick after Corey Trice. Okay. Well, even so, I mean, the value that you, the, the perceived value that you got in Trice, mm-hmm. you know, trumps getting, drafting a, de, you know, a developmental uh, corner to safety switch guy in, in Johnson. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to find issue with that whatsoever. Who went after Spencer Anderson? There weren't, you know, uh, who, only eight picks left. Right. Yeah. Who of the undrafted guys, I guess, would you, would you have said, man, I really would have liked to seen that guy in a Steelers uniform, you know? Yeah. I don't know if there's one name that comes to mind. I mean, I, I don't really spend 
any time thinking about this revisionist stuff just because you know you could do that for for days and hours um maybe something with you'd swap out herbig for either a slot corner like you mentioned or i like darius rush from south carolina who fell a bit in the fifth round to indianapolis of course you get trice to double tip a corner later in the draft but other than that in my, in my redraft i had basically the same picks I, the, right. the literal same picks on day one and day two and i just maybe a slight uh, disagreement on Herbig, but I'm not going to complain too much. I, again, I think maybe you should add to the slot corner, but other than that, I'm very happy with how things turned out. Uh, Jason Robinson, hello, Daleks. I have a question. Dave, could you discuss briefly what Omar can still do with the Mitch Trubisky contract? With him being a salary cap guy, I can't believe that Mitch will carry an $8 million clipboard, and that's no matter how much the Roonies love him. So what's What's possible besides an extension, which I doubt happens? Uh, look, I mean, uh, I think I wrote about this, you know, uh, early on in the offseason there once it became kind of evident that that Trubisky was going to stay. I mean, you you would literally have to use some void years here with him to, 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 to if you weren't going to offer him a flat out extension, which once again, that might be hard to do. Because the new money and the average yearly value has to warrant Trubisky wanting to sign that uh, first and foremost. He, it would pretty much be him accepting that I'm going to be a backup for the rest of my career probably in Pittsburgh uh, first and foremost. That's, but to hear Omar Khan talk early in the offseason, uh, you have to take him at his word that they really want Mitch passed this season. So I don't know how it's going to work out there. The only way to get his contract number or his, his cap number down is, is to be to some sort of restructure where it's void years added and, you know, he's able to walk away still after the 2023 season. But once again, he, you know, if, if, if I'm going to do that for the Steelers, if I'm Trubisky at this point, I'm going to say, whoa, 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 I want some of these uh, incentives adjusted as part of that. Basically, I would say if I have to step on the field for, I don't know, 15, you know, 20 more snaps than I played last year, I want, I want $3 million more more dollars or something to that effect. Because already his his incentive program that was that's part of this contract does not set set up favorably for him in 2023 for for obvious reasons with Kenny Pickett as a starter there so it would have to be that the steers would have to make some concessions I feel if they went to Drabisky to get him to do a void year extension yeah, I mean, I've been consistent about this the entire offseason. There's really no moves to make. I mean, we could talk about what you know they could do, but what Trubisky would want to do is probably become a free agent next year. He got his money. He's a backup. He's going to go try to do something else probably next season. So my whole standpoint from months ago was that Trubisky will reign a sealer. There'll be no extension, no pay cut, no nothing, just as is. He's the backup, and that's where he'll be in 2023. And if he does, if they do an extension, you have to make it worth his while for him. You know, right. I'm not even sure what that looks like to to make it worth as well. Otherwise, other than just paying him a ton of money to be the backup. Right. So it 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 has now become, you know, it, it kind of looks like he's just going to be under contract for eight million dollars. And, and that's it in the story. And 
we'll see. I, I think the most intriguing aspect of all this from the moment that Art Rooney said that we expect him to, 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 to remain in Pittsburgh this year is, is what Omar Khan said at the, at, 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 at the combine about wanting him to be a Steeler pass this year. Now, is that just lip services or more to it? I think that's the most intriguing quotes that have come out of the whole Mitch Trubisky thing this offseason. I never found that interesting. I thought it was just kind of cliche lip, lip service. service. And okay. even if Pittsburgh wanted that, and, and maybe they do, Trubisky really doesn't want that. So I never, I, I know that's kind of where it got people in a whole, you know, tizzy about an extension. I never really t- viewed it that way. And, and I, I mean, obviously there's been no rumors or talks about it since. So I, I think it probably was more, you know, lip service. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely find out between now and week one. Uh, let's see. Adam Gesk writes in, Hey guys, can you explain the idea of slot only versus outside only guys? Uh, he says, I'm, I may be wrong, but it seems like the consensus says that Joey Porter jr. Is an outside only quarter cornerback and Josh downs is a slot only wide receiver. Uh, obviously Josh downs drafted by another team. If not, uh, replace the players for this example. So that means if they're both lined up outside, Porter is going to dominate those reps. And if they're both lined up in the slot, Downs is going to dominate those reps. Uh, why? Is that more or less true based on the situation such as on first and 10? All right. He, Adam wants to play semantics here. Uh, I, I get where you're coming from. In other words, uh, if Josh Downs was to line up outside, does that make it a more favorable <laughs> match for 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 Joey Porter versus uh Downs lining up inside and Joey Porter having to move inside to cover him. Yeah, I mean it's I don't really think it's that complicated. It's just skill set based. If you're outside, you're running more vertical routes, you're going to be inviting press coverage more often and that's going to be advantage Porter. If you're inside, you might be playing off the ball a little bit, the route tree opens up. Uh, quite a bit. It's going to be more short, intermediate type game, horizontal routes, and that's where down strives and Porter might lack some of that twitch and change of direction. That's going to be ideal to cover slot corners. So, I mean, you know, everybody kind of moves around to some degree in today's NFL. You might get some twin receiver sets where Porter lines up over slot and downs probably will occasionally align outside in Indianapolis. But I mean, it's just based on skill sets and route trees and you know Pattern space of the field. And- <laughs> yeah, all, so I mean, all that. Yeah, I mean, that's just how football is. You know, some, you know, skill sets work better in different areas of the field, different roles, and that's all that slot versus outside uh, can be. Right. Good answer. Uh, let's see if we can get time for maybe one more. Uh, no, I think we got uh, most of it out of way here, at least initially, and we're running a little long, and rookie minicamp is going to get underway here. We got to start pay attention to 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 that overall. So, uh, sorry if we did not get to your question. I think there's a couple more in here, so uh, resend them uh, if if you deem them still being being relevant at this time. And uh, Alex and I'll be back on Monday, and we'll recap. Uh, anything that transpired over the weekend, uh, possibly some new signings we'll cover and uh, who said what uh, of, 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 you know, these uh, young players coming in for rookie minicamp. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, come Monday there. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version 
of the site, steedersdepot.com. Hit the ad free button. Appreciate all this. I mean, the support's been absolutely amazing, uh, especially this past week here. Uh, uh, you know, coming out of the draft and all that. We can't thank everybody enough for for visiting the site and 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 listening to the podcast. And also, I think what Monday night will be our next uh, YouTube uh, live stream. On top of that, so we'd look forward mm-hmm. to having a large turnout. Uh, those have been amazing. Uh, these last several weeks as well, too. So, you know, all, all, all we really can do is sit here and say thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for 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 reading and listening. So until Monday, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Got to walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer practice, then there goes the extra time for a jog. (sighs) That's okay. Maybe next week. When everyone else relies on you, it's easy to put your needs last. Therapy is a dedicated time to focus on what you need to be happy. So you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. BetterHelp offers convenient online therapy on your schedule. It's the same professional service you'd get from an in-person therapist, but with the option to communicate when and how you want, by chat, phone, or video call. Go to their site and fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com.